the Wildlife Observer Network. Hey everybody, welcome back to Brothers and Birding. We've missed you. I know you've missed us. I've missed my homie, Tony Tony Tone, because I know he's back at it again. I've done it again indeed, and it feels good. Thank you so much. We need that check-in. Um, <laughs> speaking about checking in, before we really dig into what we want to talk about, we're going to talk about uh, scholarship that I'm working on, um, and then some important topics in the birding community, like attire, and... Uh, the classism of binoculars, which is uh, something that I know we can we can really tear apart. So, before we get to the, any of that, Tony, what's been new with you? I, uh, you know, I'm still I'm still in dad mode. You know, I'm new dad. It's like first time dad, new baby. You know, she's three and a half months old, so like she smiles at me or like laughs, and I'm like, whoa! You know, it's like, you know, I've kind of said that she's kind of like. She rolls over and stuff, grabs my hand. She could actually, like, bat at stuff now and maybe, like, hold things with her hands. Um, so she's kind of, like, at the... She's about as much fun as playing with a cat right now. Okay. So, That's a really good know, way to put um, it. I think when she crawls, it'll be, like, dog level. And then after <laughs> that, it'll be, like, on another level because you can talk and do stuff with them, you know? Like like a human. Yeah. She'll she'll be able to do what the other humans do. Yeah. Which is, which is always great. Yeah. So, you know, I'm in that world and, you know... Working during COVID is kind of interesting, but it's fine. You know, work with public programs. So, you know, it's always weird because there's like this pressure to like be busy. So people don't like reassign you, mm. but you're like um, to do, so, you know, to where they think you're needed. But you're kind of like, well, I kind of need it in the park. And but it's a pandemic. So. People might not want to come for group things, but they're trickling through the park in numbers, and we can engage them in other ways, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting and it's fine, but it's part of being a part of a big bureaucracy. Other people look at you as a labor pool for their ideas, and that's kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you put that together, and knowing that we're going to be talking about classism later, I feel like that's a nice little appetizer for folks. Um, some life updates with me. Uh, you know, I've moved in, I think people know this by now, but I've moved in, uh, with my girlfriend and that was way back in August, but just a pretty big deal, I guess, for people to think about, you know? Um, I mean, it kind of made sense. We both really, really enjoy each other's time. Uh, I also had a broken ankle right when the (laughs) pandemic and shutdowns and things started and we realized we were really good at spending time together. So, it was just like, well, my lease is up in August, your lease is up in August, and uh, the rest is history. And it's really great um, feeling uh, with everything else going on in the world. I have this really great relationship, you know, and um, we, we, we find things to enjoy. We cook a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, this happens. I mean, it happens a lot, not even during COVID, right? Like um, Angie and I moved in together after five months. It's like I was in a place long enough where after a while becomes a month to month lease, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, um, after you've, it just seems like a standard thing, at least in Philly, you've, you've rented a place for a couple months and a couple of years and then it's like month to month. So Mm -hmm. I was able to get out, um, if I wanted to, and her lease was up and you know, you see how the relationship's going. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're like, man, this is going really well. And, um, 
do you want to commit to something, you know, like appropriate for only one person for another year and, and damn the relationship to, to not move into each, you know, with each other for, you mm-hmm. know, a, a whole other year or, you know, obviously there's like a lead up to it. So probably like another 14, 15 months yeah. when, when you know where it's going to head and you're like, it's also inconvenient. Cause once you, once you're like, you know, four or five months in, like you're usually not sleeping alone anymore. And, or if you do, it's, 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 you know, intentional or planned, it's like, you know, or whatever regularity you've built at that point is what you have. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the same for your, you know, like uh, 0.75 generation difference between us, whatever, um, mm-hmm. as it is with mine. Um, and, but in my, uh, in my experience, like, the dude doesn't, doesn't sleep at, uh, doesn't no longer sleep at his house anymore at some point. Like women have their house set up the way they like it and not to generalize, but I mean, that seems, that seems to be part for the course. And for me and in my life and my other friends, women tend to, um, prefer their house over yours and you end up, end up never staying at your house anyway. And you're just kind of like, all right, well I have to like have my stuff someplace, but sleep every night somewhere else. And it gets to be very inconvenient. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, all right, I'll, you know, it's like, and if, that, if the lease coming up comes up sooner than the than you might have come to anyway, it's it kind of forces the question, you know. So, but COVID has definitely done that, like, because people have been, I know a lot of people got engaged during COVID. Yeah, it's corn like, engaged. Yeah, the corn engaged. Because it's like, yo, it's there, what, yeah. what better litmus test, right? It's like, all right, like we could be stuck together, just us for <laughs> seven, eight months. All right, I guess that. I guess it shows that, you know, we got something going, you know. So. Well, I mean, maybe maybe you just have a really good solitude partner, you know, <laughs> really good yeah. partner in solitude. It's true. You, maybe know. like once you start. Having, but when like, they get around your friends, you're just like, wait, I'd never noticed you were racist. Just kidding. <laughs> that would be that would be the worst way to find out. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it's just like what what is there uh, for you when it's you know, pros and cons if it's just you and another person. Uh, yeah. I'm lucky enough that I, you know, at least get to social distancing, uh, see friends and, you know, have folks, yeah. um, you know, being safe, taking tests. We have a guest bedroom. So it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of nice to see folks when we can. Yeah. Um, and we also have a roommate who's like awesome as hell. So yeah. it's just like nice little setup I got going on here. Yeah. We got a roommate now too. It's cool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, Tony. Damn it. Oh, yeah, you got me. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> just pay rent. It's kind of no, whatever. no. Are you going to talk to her about that? Or is it kind of awkward? I mean, she's still new, finding her way around the city kind of thing. Or? Yeah, you know, what, what are you going to do? You know, like they got squatters rights and tenant lawyers and stuff. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. But then no, it's I, funny, though. Think about that. It's like. I no longer live with just one person now. Like I live with two people and yeah. I will probably for another 18 years, at least, you know, be holding it down. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. that's awesome, man. Um, so at 18 years old, I know a lot of folks are probably thinking about what college they're going to attend. Um, I made that transition because I'm working on a scholarship. I'm actually the co-chair for the annual black and Latinx scholarship fund. And um, we're looking for Black and Latinx identifying birders that live in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and Delaware. Whether you live there or attend college, one of the two counts. Um, 
we have money, $5,000 from the Burden community for two applicants uh, to help your college career. And, you know, if this money can go towards, uh, you know, your supplemental income because the internship that would forge your career doesn't pay, maybe the scholarship can help. You know, maybe the scholarship can help you buy a new laptop because the one that you've been using for so long cannot meet the demands of, of all the Zooms and all the different, you know, activities you're doing online now. Or, you know, maybe the scholarship covers the school supplies, the new school supplies that you may need, um, you know, in the science fields, if you're a science communicator, uh, I would say that I am. Tony, you are too. You know, if you need podcasting gear, <laughs> like hopefully this scholarship money can help folks out. I mean, I I think this would have helped me out a lot if I was still in college. Um, yeah, and, I would recommend if you get this that you uh, you look about, you think about a. Uh, um, Offset and like loans you have to take out a little bit too, right? Because absolutely, that'll come get you later. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Please, like, give advice on like what, because I I do remember a little bit about college and high school and how some scholarships were very specific about what you can use the funds for, and like this is not one of those. This is like unrestricted funds. We want to give you five thousand dollars to help your life, your career, because ultimately we see that, you know, birders of color, but particularly black and Latinx birders, um, you know, when supported by the birding community, have wonderful opportunities for leadership. And then that leadership is a rising tide that often can lift a lot of ships when we're talking about how, uh, the, how the birding community today lacks diversity and yeah. how the birding community today lacks accessibility and, you know, isn't as equitable so that it can, you know, uh, properly uh, host a more diverse audience, you know, and I mean diverse in a lot of ways. Yeah, I love the idea of using it to offset um, an unpaid internship. And as we've that's something that we talk about a lot in how that's, you know, it, it gives advantages to people who already have advantages and uh so let's 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 look at that. Like, if, uh, take a page from my my life, um, where I did AmeriCorps Vista, mm -hmm. right, and that gave me points on my civil service test. But the price of that is, um, AmeriCorps Vista is supposed to be like stateside Peace Corps, and they literally the stipend they give you, um is is at like the poverty line so you that you're supposed to experience poverty i think that's i think that's crazy and i actually wow. raised my hand at the the uh um orientation and i was like if this is about poverty relief isn't paying people like just below the poverty line creating <laughs> more po people in poverty every year and Woo! They're like, oh, we don't like to look at it that way. But I'm like, oh, they don't like it. They don't want to look at it that way. Tony, come on. And like, I'm like, well, you know, okay, <clears throat> I did it when in my 30s when I lived in an anarchist collective and I had like a, a network of people that I can just call up and be like, yo, you looking for a roommate in your room? And, and I got a room in this house, you know, like in this anarchist collective. And also, I mean, I supplemented my income. I worked, I worked shows, you know, I worked mm -hmm. a... 
I, I worked a, you know, I had, I had also another way, some other ways of making money. And Were you a bouncer? I think then I was just, I was the default bouncer. I wasn't in a, like, I wasn't like hired as security. I was the. This, okay. So this was before that. Okay. I'm yeah, just I was thinking in my head the time of. some pound guy, you know, um, and not all of that was fat. Um, that's right. You had a LeBron James physique. Tell him. <laughs> I wish I tell he, him to. He's a beast. <laughs> um, but like you know, like I'm the I'm the guy like you might tease for being fat, but then when you gotta go somewhere, you need some you need someone that goes somewhere sketchy. Uh, you got a shitty situation. Someone someone owes you money. Someone uh, um you got you gotta um you you're moving out of your house quick because your roommate's kind of kind of um belligerent um. Or you got to move something. I'm the guy that gets called. So let's just put, you know what I mean? Like these are like, actual situations that have yeah, happened yeah, to me, yeah. you know? But so it is me and a sea of indie, of like scrawny, like indie rockers and a fight breaks out. <laughs> you know, who are they yelling for? They're yelling for me, you know? Wow. So Way like, to know your audience. I was like the default bouncer. And then I worked. Then we kind of, that operation went legit. I'd be, we all had to pick a role because only like the main promoter got to, got to, mm-hmm. you know, full-time gig everybody else had to kind of get a role and mm-hmm. uh so security paid two and a half dollars more an hour i was big enough to do it so there you go right so uh, like that's a great uh analog i don't know if analog is the right word but i think that's a great analog about odd jobs that you have to cover the cost of what you want your career to be and you know for some folks it's very easy to do that you know it's just like oh yeah i can spend the summer being poor you know like this will be fine this will be a great yeah. experience well, i can't wait to go back you know to 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 my folks and tell them how it was to be poor but let, yeah but let's you know i'm not saying like do what i did and live mm-hmm. in a commune and find these <laughs> random gigs i'm not saying it like that i'm saying i only managed to do um the you know um i did one paid, in, paid internship i went to arctic for you know, two and a half months. So the next time oh, yeah. I went, I got paid. Nice. Um, although I had to pay my airfare, which is weird. I had to pay my airfare up there, hmm. but then I got paid pretty well when I was there. And then the other job, I uh, the I didn't get paid, but they paid my airfare. So. And but, for context, while Tony was in college, he was studying uh, for a bachelor of science in botany at yeah, oh, the Temple University. Yeah, more or less. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Um. But um, I uh, it's funny. Mike McGraw's calling me in. <laughs> oh wow! Let's put on speaker real quick. Yeah, let's say hi. Funny. Hey, Mike. Yo, bud. You're on speaker of the podcast. Everything okay? Uh yeah. Actually, um, we have a wildlife uh, emergency, so I wanted to see if you could maybe help me coordinate a rescue. Okay, what do we got? Whoa! Um, so my cousin who lives up on Frankfurt Avenue. Um, said she was. She just got a call from her daughter saying she looked up. It's at the corner of Frankfurt and Battersby, right across from the Burger King. There's like an apartment complex. Yeah, smelled hood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I figured. Let me call you right away. So oh, she looks shit. up and there's a, a. She sees a red. She's watching a red-tailed hawk. It perches on a wire. Gets shocked immediately, and so it like swings upside. It's hanging upside down by one foot, and then finally manages to let go. It falls to the ground, but it's standing up. It's alive. And she's Whoa. like, I don't know what to do. I called Schuylkill, and they said to pick it up. And I said, don't pick it up. <laughs> you know, this is my cousin. She's not, you know. She's... Look, I saw Pete Mooney's 
forearm get flayed by a red tail in 2.25 seconds, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, don't do anything. Let me see if... I figured maybe if I reached out to you, you could call the dude, the wildlife conservation dude from Philadelphia County. Maybe he'd be willing to try and get out there before kids start throwing rocks at it. Yeah. Um, text me the uh, address. I'll text him now and uh, um, and also put it on a... I'll put it on the uh, the birding app and see if anybody can uh, can. can if someone could just be there with the animal. You know, yeah, if anybody can, can can grab it, you know, I know people in the yeah. northeast. Cindy's not too far from there, so yeah, text me the info. I'll get on it. I will, uh, and then just uh, and then tonight's my first night banding owls for the season. So wish me luck. I'm going yeah, to awesome. Go Mike's banding solid yeah. owls. So uh, good luck with that, and uh, we'll be in touch. All Cheers. Right, Take pictures. Man. Thanks for helping. Right. Bye bye. Oh wow! Um, so yeah. So oh wow! I'll be uh, let me text the the wildlife conservation officer for the um for the uh, soon as he sends the info. I'll send it. Um, I'll send it over the my uh, the wildlife conservation officer who we've actually had on the our wildlife podcast briefly. He, we did the um we helped. I uh, got a call about a bald eagle that was killed in a fight with a bald eagle landed um on a rooftop in in uh uh. Kensington or Port Richmond, rather, and uh, we went and recovered it with the help of the fire department. So, that, oh man, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, at some point, I'll get this text and I'll get a little distracted. Um, uh, and and then when you do that, I'll talk about the last time that I saw a bald eagle. Yes. Bald eagle, which was actually Sunday. I saw three. Yeah, but the the recap about what I was saying is, mm-hmm. is um. You know, I don't mean to be like, oh, I pulled up my bootstraps. I did this. No, no, no. I had a really rare set of circumstances that you can't replicate. And there's a lot of privilege involved. And some of it's white privilege. Some of it's, um, you know, subcultural privilege. And you could say, you know, that we, uh, some of that's, you know, earned or whatever. Like you, you had to work to get that. But that's, I don't know. That's really, you know, I, I'm, I'm. You know, what not everybody can happen upon a, a a hobby that goes along with a subculture of people who've been living in communes for decades. It's a really rare set of circumstances. <laughs> but the point is, had had is I really not good done that, had, you know, had I not done that, I wouldn't have been able to have that opportunity. And those opportunities directly led to me getting hired for more jobs. And and so, if someone does not have those advantages, they can't do these things, and they're going to be less competitive. And how many people who do these internships um, and these unpaid field work are actually did did it how I did it? No, most of them live with their parents still. I mean, I know people that live in in their with their parents well into their late twenties, even early thirties, who are trying mm-hmm. to get by in this in this field. And like, you know, um, and that that's not an option for everybody. And you shouldn't have to live with your parents until you're thirty um, to get a job in the in the field. You know. We should get paid decent wages. Um, Absolutely, and also, absolutely, you know, we gotta, you know, we gotta overcome these barriers to participation, which is what this whole scholarship is about. And I applaud you. Okay, thank now you I so much now for that. The, um, the... Wow, sending out the bat signal, ladies and gentlemen. What you are witnessing today is a wildlife emergency in the city of Philadelphia. How it's handled, how responsible they are. And um, hopefully we can have more details. This might be a blog post or, or something, you know. Um, maybe I can also narrate it as like a news reporter. Maybe that would be a fun idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shorter than that, 
I want to mention the last time that I saw Bald Eagle uh, was doing a big sit-a-thon, which was a fundraiser, a big sit fundraiser for the Black and Latinx Scholarship Fund. And, um, you know, I'm going to say it out front. We saw 76 species and we raised over $1,400 in one day. Um, folks pledged per species. Some folks pledged 25 cents per species. Some folks $1. Some folks just donated on top of that. It was a really great day. Uh, for me, I got 21 birds. I got my, uh, I got a lifer, pine warp. No, 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 not a lifer. Um, but a first in DC pine warbler and my first of year dark, dark eyed junko, which I was super excited for. Now that I've seen the dark eyed junko, I'm certain that it is winter fall is no more. Um, but I also got to see three bald eagles and that was like an incredible sight. You know, I'm used to seeing turkey vultures, uh, especially when it gets warmer in the middle of the day. Uh, where they soar and I can see the V, you know, the, that black V flying. But then I saw something that was flying that had, you know, pretty, pretty horizontal, you know, silhouette on the wings and had a white head and a white tail. And I was just like, what else could it be? And then, and then I saw three of them. I actually got a picture. It's super fuzzy, but you can tell there's a brown line and then two white dots. And it's just like, wow, that's three bald eagles just like soaring and doing their thing. And I never thought I would see that from my own backyard. But I realized that was, I mean, it was an amount of work because I started birding at 7 a.m. that day, didn't put down the binoculars until basically 7.30 p.m. that night when the sun was was down. And uh, that was just a really great day for me to really appreciate my neighborhood, engage with the nature, being familiar with it. And then, you know, seeing some really great stuff. I saw a Sharpie. And the way I saw it was I was seeing a crow, an American crow, just circle. You know, crows are a lot bigger than you think. I just saw it circling in the air, just making these really tight circles. And I'm like, what is it doing this for? And then when I put my bins on it, I'm like, there's this tiny little hawk. Oh, what? And then, of course, it's a Sharpie. And I'm like, wow, I never thought I would see that, you know? And now that I know the size comparison of a crow to a Sharpie, Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I may be talking out of my face, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get Cooper's and Sharpie confused because Sharpie looks so incredibly small. Yeah, they're dinkers. They're little dinkers. And um, I will say this about the telling those two apart. Um, oh, why can't I re- remember her last name? Lori um, Hayes? Dr. Lori <laughs> no, from uh, Hawk Mountain, the director of science oh. for Hawk Mountain. Um, why can't I remember her last name? Um, I mean, who else would be more um, able to identify sharpshins? I think her dissertation was literally on sharpshin hawks, but you know, she directs Hawk Mountain. You know, and like, so who's going to be better at at uh, telling apart Coopers versus sharpshins than her, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, so when I was up there, uh, and a sipper flew by, and I was like, "What are you calling that?" She goes, "You know, I think she said Coopshin," and I was like, <laughs> "You know, I feel I was like that's that's what's up, right? Like, um, people need to realize that not every bird can be identified, and a lot of birds 
you know, we all do it. I mean, how often do, you know, when I see a great cheek thrush, I, I, re, I might eBird it as a great cheek thrush. Like, do I know it's not a Bicknell's? You know, I got to, you know, you got to like, you got to, you got to reel yourself in and be like, I can't, you know, obviously that's way harder to tell apart, but still like, there's nothing wrong with a Sipiter Spa on your list. They're really mm-hmm. hard to tell apart, but they're, but yeah, back to, they are tiny and, and bug eyed, but man, yeah. you, and you get them in, I see them in the hand a lot because my cousin used to ban them. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I've seen dozens and dozens of them in the hand, and they're they're yeah, so they tiny. Are tiny. It's crazy. I just there's really even, there's even a simple never yeah smaller. There's one in the Neotropics called uh, the tiny hawk, literally called and it it specializes oh. in hummingbirds. Oh, <laughs> typically, if you specialize in hummingbirds, you are a scientist. But if you specialize in hummingbirds and that's like tasty to you, you're a tiny hawk. Well, if you specialize in hummingbirds, you might be like seventy-five and retired as well. That's another thing you can do. <laughs> also, also that, also that. Um, so, yeah. if you're seventy-five and retired, you are probably a typical birder, and typical birders have a typical birder approach, a typical birder swag, a typical birder attire. Maybe we can fill this in with what we learned in our experiences. But I'm kind of interested in knowing. What is your birding attire, which is different from your everyday carry, which is a blog post on Wildlife Observer Network. And if you check out um, Wildlife Gear Reviews, uh, you can learn more about gear. Uh, But we're talking a little bit about tire. So, Tony, if, you know, right now we're, you know, in the fall. So we're getting, what, high, I mean, at the most, low 70s. And then... We jump through the '60s, through the '50s. How do you? What's your attire for that? Oh, you know that's the thing is like I'm a. Um, I mean I work in the woods, so I. Uh, uh, and actually, birding is kind of often. Um. Uh, you know, birding is part of my job. <laughs> you know, um, mm. but. So often I don't wear a dress that differently. You know, um, but. I kind of, you know, I, I genuinely, when it's, when it's time to wear pants, I generally either wear um, chinos, because I hate jeans, or I wear army pants, you know. Um, people call them cargo <laughs> pants. I call them army pants because that's what I used to call them. And, they're, you know, I buy military <laughs> pants. I don't buy something from Old Navy, right? And, All right, um, tell them, Tony. <laughs> tell and them. if I wear chinos, I, often, I, I am wearing either a fanny pack or a man purse or a full-on backpack because I don't go – I need, I need, you know, I need a notebook. Maybe I need a lens cleaner. Um, always have a knife or two. Uh, I like to have a little bit of med gear, you know, trauma kits, because you never know. You Inhaler. Know? Yeah. Oh, although I don't use that in the fall, though. I only. Oh, okay, uh, I might need but... that in my backpack or whatever. But. Uh, oh, okay. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing I do wear some often is I wear my uh, my birding vest, and I do that just to kind of like take the piss out of birding culture, you know, like it's called, oh, there like, it is. it's, yeah, it's, oh, it used to be behind my, on my back of my chair, but I, I, um, I wear that, um, you know, it's covered in like birding patches, but also punk and metal patches. Um, mm-hmm. and I wear that kind of like, you know, to be ridiculous. So look, I would never forget. I was in a, Kate may bird observatory, you know, store looking at bird books and it was a nice day. And this woman and his big motorhead back patch, you know, which has like the they're they're like, uh, what do they call it? The iron pig or whatever. It's like this like weird 
tusk monster skull thing. Um, mm. And then it says motorhead real big on it. And this woman's like, oh, nice day for a ride. And I realized she thinks I'm a biker. <gasps> you know? Wow. She thinks you're way cooler. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I'm a bike. I'm a cyclist. I'm not a biker. Um, I'm a cyclist, man. I'll, you know, and sometimes I wear like a, a funny floppy hat, like, I got mm-hmm. like a French jungle hat and I have or a or a cool you camo boonie hat, whatever. Um, and I even have a Tilly hat uh, where sometimes it's to be ridiculous. But, you know, I tend to not like wear the all khaki zip off pants, field shirt, <laughs> and Tilly hat look. I mean, like, oh, I get man. it. Like light colors, wicking material, shade, like there's merit to it for sure. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to mm-hmm. like. You know, it's crazy to see, like, it, it seems too uniform. It seems too, at some point, it seems like you're trying to, like, fit a uh, a look rather than a, um, mm. you know, than, than. Express yourself. Yeah. Because I think that's what I like about my birding attire. I like how it helps me express myself, you know. Um, now, there was one time that um, my girlfriend, who I love, said that the cargo pants that I have in my closet are zip-off pants. And I was, I just, I, I was taken aback. Um, I, I haven't seen zip-off shorts since perhaps the Midwest, which is, yeah, I lived in the Midwest from uh, maybe 2000 to 2010. You know, I lived in the Midwest for a pretty long time, and that was a lot of my zip-off short. And, you know, I, I, I'll i be honest, I, I I used to wear it myself, but I have come to, um, <laughs> uh, how do you say, the contemporary, I've come to my contemporaries um, on, on guidance, and I realized I look really great in hoodies. I look really great in, um, oh, I got some Bird Collective shirts. I got some loons. Oh, soft shirts. Really like those. Um, kind of like the shirt, the iBird Philly shirt. Yeah. Like it has that same kind of feel. Big fan of that shirt. Yeah, um, I realize I like darker clothes, even though it's not for like camouflage. I just wear darker yeah. bird related clothes, you know, like dark gray, like the um, Pileated Woodpecker, uh, the Wizard Hicken shirt. Big fan of that one. Um and actually, uh, you know a bunch of folks, what I'm naming, <laughs> uh, some of what I'm naming anyway, were made by folks that we know. Chris Lawrence, he did the Pileated Woodpecker no, and no, no, Ibert no. Phillips. That was Paul, who I assume you're leading to, that was Paul Riss. Oh, pardon me. Yes, Paul Riss. Um, Chris did the also, Bird Philly shirt, yeah. Yeah, Chris did the Bird Philly shirt. Robin Irizarry on, on, on Wildlife Observer Network, who made the logo. He also has a whole bunch of swag, you know, T-shirts, tank tops and hoodies, long sleeve and things that you can get at Society6. I'll make sure I put a link of that in the description. He makes really funny stuff, too, because it's like puns of the animal names. And what's his name? Uh, I know Steve, is it Vasek? He did that COVID, the COVID-19 shirt I was wearing, I've been wearing. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll be sure to put, you know, some shout outs in the in the description. But this is also like, you know, if we now that I think about it, I'm like, man, they should. <laughs> we could be really great models, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think so. We got a range of looks and sizes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of built like a. Mon- That's a good. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you're you know. kind of like um, you're kind of built like a more typical um, model type, you know, like well, tall, terrible. thinly muscular, you know. 
Well, Tony, I haven't done a crunch in so long. And my physical therapist told me that I need to develop a stronger core mm. as part of my ankle recovery. Yeah. And so I've taken out beer for the rest of the year. Yeah. But I haven't done anything else to make my body do the ab thing. Hold on. Okay, now Matt's calling. Let's, let's... <gasps> Uh-oh. Matt Halley, you're uh, on speakerphone on a podcast. What's, what's going on? I'm on speakerphone on a podcast? Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, you called uh, about the red tail or something else? No, I was going to call to see if I could come over and watch birds in your backyard for an hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, wow. I think I have to turn back into a dad in twenty minutes. So, um, but let me uh, let me think on that and, and call you. Uh, Mike uh, McGraw found a uh, um, a uh, someone called him about an injured red tail. So, and I posted about that. I thought maybe called him about that. But let's let's oh, okay. let's make plans to hang soon, if not today. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Cheers. Bye bye. <laughs> um, Man, Tony, you are a lightning rod. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, if we can we literally have like a sitter um, sometimes it comes so Angie and I could do different things. So that's I kind of have like a, a podcast, like try to podcast once a week, every other week or something. You know. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, so yeah. So back to attire. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love that. Like, there's been this um, new cool birding gear. You know, I. Uh, I think it's great, and um, you know, I like that people can express themselves um, and and avoid the like. And I understand that there's some, you know, convergent evolution in attire that's gonna <laughs> make people want to wear you know light colors and floppy gear. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't always have to. Um, before we, I mean, we kind of got to go. What like eight minutes or so? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about binoculars right now, or or should we um, table that? Yeah, I think we should table that. I, I want to give it at least a little bit of a teaser because you talked a little bit about, you know, your your days in anarchy or maybe not your days, but, you know, the era of anarchy that, that, that you have and how classism even exists in the birding world. Um, you know, and this is and if this comes to a surprise to you, um, you may be part of the problem. Yeah. Well, this is all, you know, the, the uh, I think you were there for this. Uh, at the, were you at the first uh, Focus on Diversity Conference? No, I was at the second, the second one in one, McAllen, the one in Texas. Yeah, yeah. we got to get Dave on here. Um, okay. Oh because, wow. So yeah. it's it's that good of a topic. Oh wow. Well, You're no, really no, I mean, building this up. We got to get Dave oh. Magpion on here. He's the guy that founded that conference. You mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. I think he'd be. You know, I mean, like he he was talking about this uh, this sort of thing for a long time, and uh, uh, you know, I think he should be you know recognized for that. He was trying to do um, address this subject, you know, in a major way. Um, I'm sure lots of people have over the years. I don't want to say that it hasn't been, but he, you know, I mean, he organized a festival about it, literally, you know, yeah, so like, yeah, like no, 100%. Like that's, that's something to talk about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, yeah, but the, at that festival, I mean, people, I kind of got the impression, like, when trying to get more people of color or, you know, um, other you know, disenfranchised groups to, to participate in birding, it seemed like, it was like thought was how do we make people bird like we do, like mm. hop in a Subaru and drive hundred miles. Right? <laughs> the Subi, yeah, like let's hop in a Subaru <laughs> and drive an hour or two to you know the birding hotspot. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like let's. And I was like, well, let's. Uh, um, what about taking birding to the people at the parks by their houses? And literally, people were like, well, we're scared to go there. And that's what I said. There's nowhere. I said nowhere scary at seven in the morning. <laughs> you know. 
Like, mm-hmm. and also the idea that's kind of just a horrible idea that like what like people just wait around to mug people. Uh, like honestly, like and even just to be like analyze that, like, like, um, people go if people if people are looking to rob people, they go where they think there's gonna be people to rob. They don't, you know what I mean? Like, like the violence in the neighborhoods you're afraid of is usually like, um, you know, this like territorial stuff that doesn't really affect mm-hmm. outsiders, you know, like, of course there's a, there's a risk to like drive, you know, to like, um, to be like collateral damage in these, in these fights or whatever, you know, uh, it's a bystander, but like, it's not, if you go there to like go to park a bird watching an organized group, like you're not going to get all, you're not all going to get mugged. I mean, it's just like crazy. And also like maybe risk doing that occasionally step outside your comfort zone a little bit, you know, yeah, like, like um, get familiar with people. Maybe if you <laughs> like, yeah, there's just, there's so much to dig into right. that for sure. That's why I'm really happy. My birding journey started with you started in Philly, started in West Philly um, at an environmental center that was only blocks down from where the move bombing happened 35 years prior. Yeah, you know, like I, I'm, I'm happy and I'm grateful that like in my upbringing through birding with you, with Dan, with Matt, with Mike and you know, all these folks that like I, it helped me become conscious to what the present reality was as it related to the history of police violence and the history of trauma and the history of, you know, systemic neglect to that neighborhood, you know? Absolutely. But you know, we're wrapping up in a couple of minutes here, but to take it back to what we're talking about is the idea of like, is, you know, everybody kind of like ascribing to, to, to where, you know, thousand dollar two thousand dollar plus binoculars is that a is that a is that set up like an intimidation you know i mean i'm guilty of it i i have several pairs of expensive binoculars i mean granted like two of those were given to me by sponsorships but um and uh you know does it set up often you know i often i i like to i have um, lots of binoculars because of what i do for a living and 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 a hobby and I, I like to bring people along with me. So often I look for deals so I can have, and I'll, often like, I don't grab my, like, you know, a thousand plus binoculars. Often I grab my like three, $400 pair and bring it out with me, you know, like, um, I, I, I honestly don't notice that much difference to be really honest. And, oh, wow. The secret that they don't want you to know. Yeah. I mean, it's the technology has come so far that like, even a hundred dollar binoculars are really good right now. And, and so I just, I don't know, maybe it's a problem that like, you know, there's, you know, just because, you know, I like watches just, you know, like just because like, um, you could buy a, you know, Richard Millet or whatever for a million dollars or, you know, even like take it down a notch to like a Patek Philippe for $40,000. Like, you know, it doesn't mean you're, you know, people aren't going to wear a Casio that's really good for, you know, literally $10 for like a, the classic Casio <laughs> square watch, mm-hmm. you know, a G-Shock for like 50 bucks. It'll, you know, I don't know. And maybe, maybe I'm making a problem at it. That's not really there. I don't know. I just wouldn't have a conversation about it, you know? Yeah. And I'm glad that you really touched on like how there's an interpersonal examination of it, but then there's also like how society and how it's like an expression of things and, yeah, I, I think that's going to be something great to get into. Hopefully we can get Matt 
or Matt. Uh, hopefully, we can get David on with us. You know, talk a little bit about uh, his work with that conference, uh, uh, focus on diversity, and uh, you know, yeah, talk about some some classism in the birding community via bins. Uh, yeah. Tony, this has been an incredible time. I am As always, so grateful. I can't. I, I miss you so much. This. I got to get down to see you. Uh, I don't know how that works at logistically with like COVID yeah, these I'm, days. And I, having a baby. I'm, I'm definitely planning something. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely planning something between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, I'm sure I'll see so you. I'll, then, I'll, I'll text you. You're always welcome here. Um, <laughs> I'll just give you a call like Matt and just be like, "Hey, can I bird in your backyard?" <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's so awesome. I mean, you have a good backyard, then you know, like well, I, I, you're attacking Matt. You know, I think Matt also um, just wanted to maybe he's in the neighborhood and wanted to hang out too. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, good, thank you. It's a good backyard to hang out in, and probably yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, much love, my brother, and everybody. Like, share. Um, review, all that good stuff.